Last year we ran a 4-3, but we'll have 3-4 schemes. Gotcha. And on the inside, at D tackle position, it's still the same physical play. We gotcha. do play after play. I can't even explain the, the vibe we had in the words because, like, coach talking about themselves and find out uh, everybody's wide in the room. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you want to push that much harder for the guy next to you. What a time to be a Minnesota sports fan. And what a time to listen to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Tatum Everett, inside TCO Studios. Gabe Henderson, producer Jay Nelson here alongside me. It's just, it's not just an exciting time to be a Vikings fan, but Minnesota sports, electric right now, guys. There's a buzz. I have buzz. I talked to PA two or three weeks ago, like right before all these teams went into the mm-hmm. playoffs and the Wild went on their run. And I'm like, PA, moving here in 2020. From where it was then to where it is right now, it's completely opposite. Like, there's just a, a certain energy about this city that I really can't put my finger on. Seeing the Timberwolves beat the Clippers the other night, like, that was kind of the icing on the cake to, like, why this city is the way it is right now. But there's so much new energy. And the fact that this this entire Minnesota sports market is, is getting this, it is well-deserved and long overdue. So the Timberwolves come back, win over Clippers. I know I was just mesmerized by the comeback, securing their second playoff berth in 17 years. I did. Now, I have to ask you this, Jay, because I think that this has been a hot debate that I feel like we have to kind of take into our podcast today. But how was the celebration for you? Was it a little overboard? Or as someone who has been a Minnesota sports fan your whole life, do you get it? So I was there. I was at the game. I was lucky enough to go to the game. Did you go Pat Beverly? I did not go Pat Beverly. (laughs) Here's the thing. I was, texting with, really? <laughs> I was texting with some people immediately after the game was over. And, you know, they're like, what do you what do you think about everyone giving them a hard time? I said, jumping on the table's a bit much <laughs> in my eyes, but I get it. I, I get it. And here's why. As a, especially a Timberwolves fan, no offense to the Timberwolves, but the fact that you've had, what, one playoff, essentially series in a decade you, with Jimmy Butler here. And then outside of that, the last thing you had was Kevin Garnett you know, trying to will them to the playoffs with no real hope except for the Sam Cassell, the trial Spurgeon years. That, but that's my point yeah. is as a Wolves fan, that had to be one of the most cathartic wins that they've had in a long time. It reminds me of when the twins had their uh, game 163, um, where they had to win to get into the playoffs years ago. And that was an electric game as well, where it came down right to the end and they scored to take the game late. Um, and the fans went crazy as a Minnesota sports fan, when you have a moment like that where it's kind of a do or die, win or get in, um, those kind of moments, I have no problem with the fans celebrating it because even in the arena, sitting in the arena, as exciting and as fun as it was, you were still sitting in like a five to eight point hole mm-hmm. for the majority of the game. Cat fouls out and then all of a sudden they make this run. And even when some of the... Uh, the, the bench players were coming in and filling in during the game. You felt kind of this bump, this jump that happened for the team. And you could tell at the end, especially when you hit fourth quarter, they all just kind of looked at each other and like, this is go time. We have to do this. And to see the team step up to do that, the youthful energy, the veterans who are sitting there saying we are not going to lose this game was a lot of fun as a fan. So as a Minnesota sports fan, it was fun and cathartic to see them win a game like that to get a chance to run through the playoffs. I'm all about celebrating wins. I don't care if they're big wins, small wins, whatever. Whatever gives you enough juice to bring the momentum that can continue this series. Like that moment is something that fans will not soon forget. The team's not going to forget. I'm all 
okay with it. I mean, I get it maybe a little excessive, but like just to breathe that sigh of relief. It's almost like you were just more excited to prove that you could get to that point because you know this team has potential. And it was like a shock the world moment for everyone outside of that that target center. And that that team, if you look at it this season, there were chunks where they went on long losing streaks. They went on long winning streaks. It, there's this feeling of, we were talking a little bit earlier, just the youthful energy, the youthful exuberance that you're seeing. And you started to feel like they went from being kind of this young, almost rookie-ish type team to really starting to click and figure it out. And the excitement was to say, we feel like we finally got to a point where we can compete on a large stage. The moment's not going to be too big. And when you need it, you have a guy like Ant mm-hmm. who can step up throw down a dunk, blow the roof off the place, and everyone's just like, you know, get on the bandwagon because we're rolling. Best, oh, sorry, best Timberwolves game you've ever been to? Yes. Yeah, I mean, wow. well, that, honestly, for me, because I, I hadn't yeah. gone to the, even like the Garnett days and, and, and those kind of, I hadn't been to one of those playoff games because it was such a hot ticket. Yeah. But I was with people who were at that game who've been longtime fans, and they're like, I've been going to Timberwolves games for 18 years, you know, people that were Sounds trans- like Brian stuff. Harper. <laughs> Harper was one of them. But that was the thing. Harper was one of them. Yeah. There were other people. They were just looking at it going, I've never seen this place this way. And yeah. we were explaining that to other people we were around. They're like, man, you know, even the players, there were some players who were at the game, and they said, man, if this is what our, our fans are going to be like, you know, we're, we're excited. We're like, yeah, there's crossover here, but we're telling them, like, we haven't had this kind of energy in here in, in close to 20 years. It was a lot of fun to be there. I can only imagine what game three of the series against the Memphis Grizzlies is going to be like next week. Yeah. Like electric, electric, like it, it'll probably, it'll be sold out for sure. And the, the group, like I, I, re- I really think this next series is a winnable series. Like that's the fun part over, over any team. Like if I, if I had to go up, if I had to play one team in the first round of the NBA playoffs, the Memphis Grizzlies is the team I want to play. They're the second team in second seed in the West. And granted, they've been the most exciting team, but this Minnesota Timberwolves team is more talented and has a better overall team than actual Memphis Grizzlies. I think that's part of the reason why fans were so excited with that was the cathartic nature of going, we don't have to run through the Phoenix side of the bracket. <laughs> yeah. Right. Getting to this other end, you can avoid potentially avoid that matchup if you make a run to the, you know, Western Conference Finals, knock on wood. But for yeah. the fans, I just think in general all Minnesota sports fans are looking at whether it's them or the wild that are coming up here on the uh, playoff run. Yeah. They just want to see their teams that have had success during the season come through in the playoffs and have a chance to run. Yeah. That Timberwolves series kicks off on Saturday against the Grizzlies, as you guys mentioned, and then can't forget about the Minnesota wild in the state of hockey at all. They are second in the central division, keeping pace with the blues right now. 10 games left in the regular season. They've been on a home hot streak. So those games have also been really fun to attend. Um, yeah, I, I went to my first ever wild game last week. They played the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. How'd that go? It was it was a great game. Yeah. But um, Eric Norquist, a producer for 9 to Noon, Paul Allen's KFAN show, he texted me before the game and said, hey, don't be surprised when the entire stadium is quiet like during the actual play of the game because – you go to Carolina Hurricanes game where I'm from, like the entire game, they're loud, they're rowdy, and the only time they sit down is when it's like intermission. This entire Minnesota Wild game, it was quiet until the, the Wild scored a goal. And I'm like, like this is weird, but fans are so into those Wild games. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine how these next 10 games will be because everyone in the state knows how important 
these next 10 games would be, but more importantly, this playoff run. It's exciting to watch them. I think they're one of the best, obviously, in the division. And the abs make me a little nervous, always have, especially, um, or, or if you get or if you get the Preds in a series, that makes me extremely nervous. I know that that hasn't been um, an They've easy had their number. to beat. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you even look at that Predators team, um, the other day, just looking at it, you had Mikhail Granlin and a couple other guys that are on that team that were former Wild players. Sure. The the level of angst that kicks in in the, the Minnesota Wild fan <laughs> oh, base as yeah. well. The amount of times you've had good teams and you've it, the weird things happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They just do weird things happen. You've got uh, even Tampa where they had a couple years ago where they're the all time winningest regular season franchise get knocked out in the first, first round, round by the eight seed. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things happen. I I think Minnesota fans in general just want to see get out of a first round. You know, win a first round series, have some fun. And I guess for me, on the Viking side of it, you just look at it and say off season playoffs by other local teams. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that's really kind of cool here in this market is there's so much crossover with the fans, but you have so many teams even that are connected to each other, whether it's, you know, front office people, marketing people, whatever that know each other. We genuinely do care about each other. So when you see messages uh, from the Vikings getting tweeted out saying, you know, good luck in the playoffs tonight, those kind of things. Those are real genuine things and not just lip service. So it's a lot of fun just to see off-season playoffs going on while you're still dealing with things like the draft. It's a really fun time of the year. And that's the one thing that I've learned, I guess, in my time here in Minnesota is that these sports fans are some of the most loyal and they deserve this stuff. They deserve postseason play. They deserve championships. Like we need to see more of that here. And this could be the start of really something very exciting. I mean, you know, the twin season's not off to the greatest start, but hey, you know, there's a lot more baseball left to play. <laughs> that, that is what is like the first or second week during the MLB season. But yeah. I, there's still a long way to go. They got some good trades this offseason, acquire some good players. It'll but come just, together. Yeah. But you got the Lynx that made the playoffs this past year. That's true. The Timberwolves that are in the playoffs this year, the Wild, and then you have the Minnesota United. Now it's just everyone's looking at the Vikings. Vikings, figure this thing out because if you make the playoffs, we're all in good hands. Everybody's rolling on the bandwagon if the Vikings make it. Oh. Well, that's an even more exciting time because the Vikings are also going through a lot of change and transition and the expectations are very high. And they just welcomed all the players in for the official first day of workouts this week. And part of that crew that showed up on Monday morning was defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, who is a guest on our podcast in just a bit. Um, We're excited to have him on. He has been through the change of switching teams last season, and now he's got a whole new crop of faces to look at and a new scheme and new terminology to learn. So we'll get to that interview in just a bit. But first, let's talk about some of the guys like Dalvin who are returning from last season that we think could potentially break out here in the 2022 season. We all like a good prediction. Uh, and, you know, to kind of pull this up later on, we're like, yeah, see, told you so. I told you. We won't. Mark, I don't think we'll actually bet on it, though. We won't actually bet. We got we to, gotta like, like uh, tab this episode, like, for the end of the season. So this is episode 139, right? Yeah. So at the end of the season, when we give our players, as far as, like, the biggest stars to watch, we got to come should. back to this episode. Because we definitely were not great at predictions last year. <laughs> I don't know what I you're talking remember. about. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> I haven't specifically looked it up, but I, I know that um I know that mine were very off. Well, who's so. your who's your offensive player this year? My offensive player this year to break out, I kind of feel like is a little bit of a no-brainer, but I do think that we are going to see a lot more from Christian Derrissaw. As long as he can stay healthy, he looks so good towards the end of the season. He was a solid pass blocker. His run defense was, or his run blocking was great. Um, I just think that 
he can take the next step and needs to take the next step. He'll have a little, um, I guess more so for me was Kevin O'Connell's confidence in him when he spoke to you, Gabe, at the owners meetings about how he saw his two tackles being Brian O'Neill. And Christian Darisaw. Yeah, and Christian, he missed, what, the first four weeks of the season he last did. year and just kind of got thrown into the fire against the Panthers. So the fact that he gets a full offseason to train, doesn't have to worry about any setbacks and injuries, I think it should be a really good off, a really good season for him. And, and starting with this offseason, I, I really think the sky should be the limit for a guy like that. You you, you kind of have those two bookends and you have a, a rookie or a second-year guy, a left tackle now. It's like, okay. Kirk has more time back there. He has more trust. And trust is the biggest thing. We all we all know trust is the biggest thing for Kirk. If he trusts you, you're going to be a playmaker. And if he can trust Christian Darisaw like he trusts Brian O'Neill, I think this entire offense goes. And we need as many names to solidify spots on that starting lineup as possible so you can just build the depth behind it and and get rid of that, uh, that almost like a monkey on the back when it comes to offensive linemen here in Minnesota. The fans have definitely made their voices known, and you've heard it over and over again. And even the old regime was was taking first and second round draft picks, trying to figure out what, what can we do to help on the offensive line. If Christian Derrissaw is the guy that we thought he was when we went to pick him, that is going to be something that could potentially solidify that offensive line for another decade. And uh, hopefully he does take that step this year. For sure. Well, Gabe, what about you? Who is your offensive breakout star for the 2022 season? I'm going to go Swerving Irvin Smith Jr. I just I like think it. just the, the energy that he has had just this entire offseason, just knowing that he's going to be a playmaker this year in this new rejuvenated offense, I couldn't be more pumped for for a guy like that. When I just look at Kevin O'Connell's previous history with tight ends like Smith Jr., I think of Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, when he played for the Washington Commanders now, which is Still weird for you to Still say, huh? Still weird for me to say. Because Washington <laughs> football team, that kind of had a ring to it. I was like, I can it get does. with this. But like now with the commanders, with Jordan Reed, we know him as a guy who was really talented but always got injured because of concussions. And that's something you really can't control. But when Jordan was making plays under uh, Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell coached Jordan for three years. And Jordan averaged over 500 receiving yards, three touchdowns, and had two seasons where he had 50-plus catches. So that right there tells you that, okay, Erskine Jr. is going to be a reliable a source on this offense. Tyler Higby, for example, the last two years in LA, averaged over 550 yards, five touchdowns per season. And I think Ursula Jr. is way better than Tyler Higby. So you add a, a more dynamic tight end to the fold that can create mismatches against your linebacker or your nickelback nickel corner. I think this guy will be the limit for for whatever he puts his mind to or whatever situations or uh, personnel that this Vikings offense put Ursula Jr. in. Going into last season, Herb was supposed to be the guy in this yeah. offense. Everyone had slated him as the number three wide receiver option. Mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolph went off to the Giants. Herb was supposed to be the guy. He gets hurt. Conklin steps up. This offseason, Conklin gets paid, goes to the Jets. And I think he's going to do big things there as well. It just means that Irv coming off of that year, coming off the rehab, he's got to be incredibly hungry to take that next step forward, knowing last year was supposed to be his shot. Yeah. Got delayed for an, an entire season. Now it's time to make some hay. He always says, you know, the the injury was kind of a blessing in disguise because being at Alabama during spring ball or during December or November, the late months of the year, where you don't really are, you really aren't in full pads in practice. Alabama and Nick Saban were in full pads practicing and practice practicing like tackling drills, like later in the year. And he's like, his body never had a break. So the fact that he had a year off to like actually get better and you know grow grow in certain areas that he never had a chance to. Just just understanding his mindset, I think he is poised to have a, a really big season this year. 
he was the guy we talked about at training yeah. camp as a standout, as somebody that was going to take the sleep. So now it will be exciting to see all the hard work that he put in, in the recovery process because um, I know you guys have seen it, but he's always at the facility. <laughs> he spends a lot of his off-season time here. He's dedicated to his recovery, and so I can't wait to see what that yields on the field this season. Jay, we'll round it out with you. Who's your offensive breakout star? I'm going to go back to one of my staples that I was kind of pounding my hand on the table last year for, and I talked about him all this this past season as well. Periodically, I'm going back to Kane Wangwu. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's my guy that I want to see take a jump. And the reason why I keep pointing at him, especially with this new coaching staff and new offense, they want speed. And that is what this guy is known for. He was a highly touted speed back coming out of Iowa State last season, selected in the fourth round, and he played in 11 games for the Vikings. But he only had 13 touches on offense, which was 61 yards, but that was still 4.7 yards per play average. And for a guy like him, where he really shined with special teams last year, he was a disruptor on kick coverage teams, but where he really shined was 18 kick returns, 579 yards, and two touchdowns. It just showed how dynamic he can be when you get him in space and let him take off at the ball. So I'm hoping uh, with head coach Kevin O'Connell saying he likes to scheme to get mismatches and put guys in open space and just let them make plays. Kane for me is a guy that feels like if he can take that next step this year, knowing that there's going to be some other potential changes happening for the Vikings coming up in 2022. He could also be used as a misdirection tool out there 100%. as well. And that that's such a, a you know, a key part of to this illusion of complexity that Kevin O'Connell's scheme kind of hangs its hat on. And I keep looking at guys like Debo Samuel and Cordero Patterson those types of guys where you can get them in space and say, okay, we're going to do this. Well, if you try to run a jet sweep and all of a sudden the linebackers all, you know, flow to him and you go the opposite side again, like you're saying, use that as a distraction tactic or every once in a while, you got to keep him honest and you pitch him that ball and just say, get in space and get going. I want to see him jump up and see what he can do in this offense with the new people in the front. I I really like, I want him to have a breakout year, like mm-hmm. so bad. Um, I, I'm just thinking about offense right now. I'm just like, man, that would be so great. But I'm just thinking like, man, taking the ball out of Dalvin's hands, I'm like, mm. but can they, can they can make plays? But at the same time, I'm just looking at like just kick return, like punt return. What he has done so far, like the, the NFL really hasn't seen that in quite some time. Like Cordero Patterson, you brought that up. He has eight kick returns for touchdown in the NFL, which is like first all-time in NFL history. He did that in nine years. Kane Wangaru already has two. My like, favorite. The, the, the sky is the limit for it. Like he can be just a, like you said, a, a Swiss army knife. If, mm-hmm. if that's what the Vikings want to do. Historically, my favorite player that I ever watched walk in this door and have that kind of immediate impact was Percy Harvin. Mm. Like Adrian was great. You know, you hand him off and he goes, Percy was the guy you stick him back there on a kick return or a punt return. And, and you'd look at it saying, good luck. I remember <laughs> sitting in San Diego, sitting at a chargers game, Opening game, 9-11, Percy's back there, and they go to kick off, and we're just looking at it saying, you don't want to kick it to this kid. Mm-hmm. Kick it to him. Opening kick, he housed it. And you're just – those kind of electric moments, even as a fan, it wants you to put your butt in that seat or make sure you're sitting there on your couch watching from the very first second of the game, knowing a guy like that can hit a home run from the very beginning. I'm hoping this guy can take that next up. Seeing new special teams coordinator Matt Daniels face light up when you ask him about Kane Wangu makes me very excited as well because he's he's pumped to have a guy of that speed back there. And, you know, after the improvement from 2020 to 2021 in special teams, you hope that they can just build on that. And he's going to be a big part of that for sure. Let's switch things up, though, and talk a little about our defensive breakout stars. 
For me, I have another second rear player that I want to see take a jump, and that is safety Cam Bynum. We saw him have a couple of glimpses of greatness, I guess you could say, in a few games when he stepped up when Harrison Smith was out. He played in all 98 defensive snaps versus the Ravens with 11 tackles and an interception, and then the very next week recorded a sack in a PBU versus the Chargers. We didn't really see him too much until the end of the season versus the Packers, but you know he definitely showed he has an upside, and I'm curious to see how he'll step up in this new 3-4 scheme, um, especially now with Xavier Woods off the team. Is he right up there with Harrison Smith and obviously learning from one of the best? Well, when somebody's when a guy's life is a movie, when he, <laughs> when he goes on the football field, the moment is not too big for him. I and love if, it. And if you follow Cam Bynum on social media. I was going to say, media, if you don't know what he's talking about, he's talking yeah. on Instagram. Cam Bynum's Instagram, every, I think what every single caption is like, my life is a movie. Yes. And honestly, like in, in, in a serious note, like the, the moment was never too big for him so as true. a rookie. And a lot of rookies coming here, eyes wide open, don't really know what to do. And Cam, he got the call, what, 20 minutes before the Baltimore Ravens game? 11 yeah. tackles, interception never got too big. The moment never got too big for him. And going from year one to year two, we know that's always the biggest jump in a player's career. When you, when you have, or when you already have that, that it factor, mm-hmm. when you move that to year two, I think <laughs> he, he should, he should be making some noise this year. And I'm going to just leave it at that. And this is also switching from corner to safety. So the switch yeah. there and now the switch here, I mean, it, it could be great for him. That was my thought too. The idea that he did make as big of an impact as he did switching positions from college. And now you're getting to a point where they're looking at potentially running a ton more nickel. You don't know what's going to happen That three, four. You're hoping that there's more of a pass rush going on this season. Guys like him are going to benefit from the fact that if there is a lot more pressure on quarterbacks, they might be able to eat a lot more on the back end when the ball starts flying through the air. Yeah, I'm just looking for some more Instagram movies, too. You know, he'll get paid one day and then he'll really take a nice global uh, trip, right? Boy, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what, what country has he not been to. Uh, good question. Good question. If you don't know him, you should definitely give him a follow on Instagram. He's definitely entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, Gabe, who do you think is going to be your defensive breakout star this season? I'm going to go with DJ Wanham simply because teams are going to have to account for him because they're going to be so focused on Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter. So DJ Wanham had seven of his eight sacks last year against division opponents, five against the Bears. This is a guy that understands the big moments. He turns up in big games, and now he has an opportunity to continue to turn up but have help doing so. I'm looking at him being one-on-one with a lot of guards this year instead of tackles. Tackles are more better pass blockers than guards. DJ Wanham's a better pass rusher than run than run defender. So putting him putting him in situations where he can just be himself and gives him an advantage over the person that's in front of him, I, like I can see that sack total going from eight to ten or, or eight to twelve. So he's got Mike Smith in his corner now, outside linebackers coach, who's a pass rush specialist. I think that only takes his his game to that next level. And just just knowing that he took a, a step from year one to year two, year three is the money year. Year three is the contract year where you understand, okay, well if I want to get extended, if I want to make, if I want to get paid, either here or elsewhere. I have to ex. I have to be better than what I was last year. So he he's my my defensive star this year, and I, I don't see who who else can can make a bigger jump on the defensive line than him. Understanding the help he has on both sides of the ball, he's well, the, both sides of the line. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that when he was drafted, everyone looked at him and said, "This is Daniel Hunter 2.0 yeah. as far as physical attributes." Having going from you know year one to year two, great. The goal then is you have to take that next step. A guy like DJ has to make sure 
that when he gets his opportunities, he's out there going 100% the entire time. Right. And so it should be a lot of fun to watch his progress and just see what happens when guys like, you know, Ed Donatel get a hold of him with the schemes and you see other guys like Mike Pettin coming in and trying to work with him like they did with Zadarius back in Green Bay. A lot of specialized coaches able to really work with that group. And, and you think about the wealth of riches that you need at the edge position. You talk about that being a need in the draft. Maybe they go there. But developing the guys that you've already drafted here is so key this season where you need the defense to step up to kind of match what the offense did last year and, and what the expectations are for that offense this year, not to change completely from defense to offense. Cause Jay, you still need to give us your defensive breakout star for 2022. My guy's a guy that uh, potentially DJ one, going to be playing alongside of here, but for me, it's not so much a guy that was on the roster, but one of the new guys on the roster mm-hmm. for me, it's Harrison Phillips. And the reason why I cite him is because they brought him in on purpose for a reason, which is to help shore up that defensive line, line of scrimmage play that felt leaky at times, especially against the run last mm-hmm. year. Um, you know, Harrison Phillips, they they was brought in. They let Michael Pierce go back to Baltimore where he re-signed this year. They bring him in on a uh, bring in Harrison Phillips on a three-year $19.5 million deal. And they really are looking at whether it's a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson or a guy like Harrison Phillips to really hold their water on that line. Phillips' career stats, this is the reason why I feel like he needs to take the next step. If you look at him, 45 games, 107 combined tackles, 1.5 sacks. But he's got three pass deflections, three fumble recoveries, and 13 QB hits. So you're looking at that saying, well, those that's you know not a ton of stats for a guy like this that we just paid to come in that we're going to rely on. A giant chunk of those stats were just last season. He got like half of his stats last season. And if you really look at it, you know, what pops off is the fact that you did see that progression last season. I think that's what the front office really focused saying. This guy feels like he's on the rise. So if you really want to focus on it, look at where he landed last season. He was in Leslie Frazier's defense on the Bills. The Bills were number one in fewest yards per play and 4.6 yards per play, number one in fewest first downs completed, number one in fewest points allowed, and third in turnovers. Respectively, the Vikings were 26th in fewest (laughs) yards per play, 30th in fewest first downs, 24th in points allowed, and 24th in turnovers. This guy's coming in here with the attitude and the mentality that I know what it takes to be on a winning defense Mm -hmm. that can shore up and make a difference for a team. This is the guy for me that needs to step up the most coming in here, not only getting paid his second contract, which he's extremely happy about. <laughs> and he's a very awesome guy. He's just in general, like having talked to him, worked with him, he's gone out of his way to make his presence known. I think this is a guy that can be a huge deal for us and a huge game breaker for us if he holds his water like we think he's going to. Preach, Jay. Preach. That's all I can say. That was a great sermon. Uh, can I get an amen from the congregation? <laughs> <laughs> amen. You know who you get an amen from? Dalvin Tomlinson, who seems go. really excited yep. to have Harrison Phillips on that line with him. They just met the other day. He shared some stories with us about Harrison, the defensive line room, as well as what it's like to be back here in Minnesota after the offseason. And here he is right now, Dalvin Tomlinson on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Well, one player who is excited about building off of his 2021 Vikings performance is defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, and he is here inside TCO Studios. Dalvin, it's really great to see you back here in Minnesota in person. Yeah, it's glad, I'm glad to be back. It's, it feels like it's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> I know we, we were just talking about it was snowing today and, you know, being in the South in the off season. what an awakening to come here mid-April and you're like, oh, cool, still snowing here. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, uh, another culture shock all over again because um, I was in Florida and Georgia. And, you know, you sweating as soon as you walk out the door <laughs> and then woke up this morning and just saw snow everywhere. I'm like, oh, man, it can't be November, December already. I yeah. know. It's like snowing when you left and then snowing when you come back. I mean, we just we held it off just for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, things are heating up here. All the players are yes. back. So what what has that experience been like? Because this is like your first normal off season, like with a full training program and everybody back in one setting. So what's that been like? Uh, it's been good, you know, just all the new people in. You actually get to you know meet people in person and communicate throughout the day in meetings on the field when you're working out and stuff like that. And I just feel like it's better with like bonding before like OTAs and mini mm-hmm. camp and training camp and stuff like that. So uh, it's super exciting and uh, I'm loving the feeling right now. It's almost like you're doing it all over again, though. I mean, last season you come in, a lot of new faces you had to meet, and now it's just like fresh slate. Here you go again. Yeah. What's crazy. that been like? Uh, it's been crazy, you know. Um, like uh, just like you said, it just felt like yesterday when I first got here. So it just like <laughs> felt like time flew last year. I don't know how to explain it to be exact, but um, yeah, it's been good though. You know, we got some great guys on the team this year. Uh, some guys returning who I still knew from last year and some guys I knew from other teams like uh, back in New York and stuff like that too. So it's been good. How how much time do you take off, right? Because usually a lot of players like try to take some time off and then they get back into it. Like mm-hmm. what is that training regime for you from like January 9th from the last game of the season until right now today when we record in April 14th? Uh, like normally it was a little shorter, but I feel like this year I took a little bit more time, like, okay. uh, like mid-February at least okay. because of the – the um, season went like a week or two longer just compared to normal. I remember like my rookie year, the last game was on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And now it was like, what, uh, <laughs> January 12th, January 9th. And great. I'm just like, damn, that's like a big change. Like yeah. you play two more games in the new year. Like, but, um, you know, it took a little bit more time off and uh, just let my body recover naturally mm-hmm. and um, got back to training, like picking up the intensity in February, like mid, late February. I've always wanted to know like the, the routine, right? You from April until January, there's a routine every day. Every part of your day is pretty much scheduled out. So mm-hmm. when you actually get that free time, like, what is that like? Do you go crazy? It's like, oh, shoot. Like, nobody's like, I don't have to go. I don't have to be anywhere at <laughs> 7 or 30 or 8 a.m. Like, what's that like? I enjoy it. It, it reminds me of like being in <laughs> elementary school on a winter break and you don't have anything to do. So you okay. just wake up when you want to. And you just sit there for a little minute and be like, what am I going to do today? Uh, you can do anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I enjoy it because, you know, I'm a big gamer. I be gaming and stuff. And um, just catching up with people, like, I was like, we were all too busy to talk and doing mm-hmm. the season and stuff like that. So I would just try to catch up with friends and family and just relax. Did you do any new type of training or anything in this offseason that you wanted to do to help yourself recover better? Um, I've been doing – I tried hot yoga. You know, <laughs> there you go. Almost died in there the first no, time. I was like, oh my God. It's, it's no joke. It's right no now. joke. <laughs> yeah, I tried hot yoga and I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I could I could do this a couple more times, but surprisingly, you are a lot more sore from yoga than almost weight training sometimes. Like, you'd no, be, I feel you'd be you. in there in those positions for a Dude. while. What what was the why behind that? Especially coming off a year where you played every game, mm-hmm. you you had a pretty much like defensively you you were solid. So mm-hmm. what was the 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 why behind? Okay, I'm gonna try something new to to get a little bit better. Uh, just like looking back at film and stuff, I felt like I could have made a couple more plays. I was a little bit more flexible. Okay, and I uh, just want to work on my flexibility and mobility this offseason. You plan on keeping it up, the hot yoga? Yeah, I'm gonna try to keep it up, especially when it's cold out here. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess this is like the first week that you've seen this new coaching staff. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, 
uh, I, I've been hearing from people the the first meeting that you guys had on Monday, like Coach O'Connell was like playing music in the in the, uh, oh, the yeah. meeting room. <laughs> like everyone, everyone talks about the vibe. Like, mm-hmm. what is the vibe like? Can you can you give oh, fans an insight of like that meeting first day meeting room? The first day meeting room vibe was like I don't know, it was just like super energetic, super vi- positive, and like. It was like super welcoming to coming back to. Like it was like I don't know. I told my fiance. I just love, I, I, told, I texted her as soon as I got from work. I was just like, I had so much fun today. Your face is like lighting up when yeah. you say that. Like I really believe you. That's amazing. Yeah, I had so much fun today, and it's just like the coaches are like, the first day we didn't go over any football. Mm. We just went to position room, well, unit rooms and stuff like that, and then we went to position rooms, and pretty much all of us individually stood up in front of the room and just talked about us and it's surprisingly how much you in common you'll have with somebody and don't even know it was it like tell me something that someone doesn't know about you or like what was you had it was icebreakers right yeah, exactly yeah, that's what it was like. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like that and all that then everybody just asked questions and stuff and um like you like i, I found out and me and Harrison Phillips got like we both had two ACLs like that's crazy like we didn't know that we both found out like oh, what we both was um, three time high school state champions in wrestling. Okay, like wow. stuff like that. Like we both graduated high school with like a four GPA. That's like stuff you wouldn't know about somebody. Like we just like clicked right off of the back. Like it's crazy. name a more intelligent defensive tackle Seriously. duo in the league. <laughs> name one. I dare you. It, it's insane, and the fact that because you you played soccer in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And you tore. So did you tear both of your ACLs in your knee, or just one so ACL? So I tore. My left ACL playing soccer in high okay. school, and then my second year at Bama, I tore my right one. Okay, and was that with uh, Chris? Because Chris Rumpf is mm-hmm. the new defensive tackles coach yeah, here he with was, the Vikings, so he was a coach at Bama. He was, the, he was wow. a coach there when I got hurt. Yeah, my first two years at Bama, he was there with me. So he well, saw the wow. transition for me to go from two forty to two eighty <laughs> in one year. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's it like to have him back in there? I mean, it's nice to have a familiar face around after mm-hmm. the, all the changes. I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to see him. Like you just notice how small of a world it is. Mm-hmm. Like to have the same coach in high, uh, college and the NFL, which is crazy. And um, yeah, he's just like one of those guys. Like he cares for each player, and um, mm-hmm. he's gonna really make each player a student of the game. And I appreciate that. Have you, because I, I think the big question is now, you know, moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4, like, mm-hmm. has that affected how, you know, your mental approach is to the game now? Like, what, what changes now with the, with the new scheme? Um, It's just like, uh, it's pretty similar to what I played last year. Okay. Um, I'll be playing pretty much like uh, like the end and the uh, nose guard position okay. in a 3-4. And, um, yeah, it's pretty much the same stuff. It's the, pretty much almost the same Similar to the Alabama defense I ran when I was at oh, Alabama. Wow. So oh, cool. it's like a lot of stuff is very similar. <laughs> okay. And that's that's interesting you say that because like outside looking in, we're like overthinking everything. We're like, all right, it's a 3-4. What's the history of a 3-4? People three, are four, freaking. Deep, yeah, people are yeah. freaking out because like everyone expects it to be so much different than mm-hmm. what we have done since the 80s. But the fact that you're saying, okay, like a lot of this is similar. Like explain what you mean by that, the, the similarities between – what you've done in the past versus what you're being asked to do yeah, now. Yeah, because like uh, a lot of people don't know, this was like uh, last year we ran a four three, but we'll have three four schemes. Gotcha. And like in a three four, you'll have four three schemes too. It looks similar to a four three, but it's you're still considered three four. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're running the same thing you would run in a four three, depending on what offense you're going against and what formations they line mm-hmm. up in. But it's like it's just. Um, people play slightly different positions. Like the outside linebackers, they, like they're different. Like uh, maybe dropping a little bit more mm-hmm. or rushing a little bit more and things like that. But uh, like on the inside, a D tackle position, 
it's still the same physical play. We gotcha. do play out the play. Does that make the learning curve a little bit smaller for you, knowing that you can kind of go back to what you've done in college mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit in the league? Yeah, I think uh, it makes it a lot smaller. It just uh, the thing is some of the terminology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may hear one word from back in the day, and it's a completely <laughs> different term now. Yeah, <laughs> and all uh, that. I'll be having flashbacks when we call some players. I'm like, oh, oh hold on, let me make sure I got the new terminology for mm-hmm. this one. But um, other than that, it's the learning curve is super small with it, and um, it's. Pretty similar for the most part. I want to take it back to what you said earlier when you were talking about how much fun you had. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you remember you had that much fun playing the game? Because obviously being Mm -hmm. a pro, like it is fun. You have a fun job, but Mm -hmm. it is a job at the end of the day. When's the last time you had that feeling? I can't even explain the the vibe we had in the words because like every coach was on board on the same page and and like it was just super welcoming. Like we spent the whole day, every coach talking about themselves and you learn about them and their history and their families and everything like that. You find out uh, everybody's why in the room mm-hmm. and it just makes you want to push that much harder for the next person, the guy next to you and even the coaches because like they have a why too. That's why they're coaching. And um, yeah, just it just made you enjoy it that, mm-hmm. that day so much more. And I feel like the, the defensive line room, I know – you know, Michael Pierce not being here, I know that mm-hmm. was your guy. And, you know, congrats to him getting a new contract in Baltimore. But now you got Zadarius Smith, Harrison Phillips. I feel like the defensive line room now with the new additions are a lot more fun. So mm-hmm. you, you got a lot of personalities. Gained some personality, got, yeah. Some big personalities <laughs> yeah, in that group. We so. definitely got some big personalities. And, um, yeah, like, I feel like everybody in the line room pretty funny. So <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. always got jokes. Even uh, Coach Rump be cracking jokes off meeting and stuff. So it's like the personalities is definitely a big help, too. One of those things now is, just, you know, moving forward to this upcoming season. I know every day, you know, you're one step closer to that goal. Mm-hmm. Where are you as far as mentally being in that that process of getting to that that ultimate goal of first and foremost OTAs, then mini mm-hmm. camp and then training camp and then the season? Um, I'm pretty much like this year. I'm going to just pretty much like take it one week at a time and okay. focus on improving on something each and every week. And um, I feel like. If I do it that way, I have a better outcome when the season get here and be exactly where I want to be, hmm. like overall as an athlete. When do you start your goal setting process, like your personal goal setting process? Um, I feel like every season I start the goal setting process the day the season ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as soon as the season over, it's like, okay, this is what I want to do next year. Uh, this is what I need to do to get there. Uh, this is when I need to start doing that. And now uh, just if I need to do more treatment or more stretching or – just have more cardio. It's like you have to plan it out ahead of time for the most part because, as you know, our days are scheduled mm-hmm. throughout the whole day. You're, you got to go to this meeting room. You got to be on this field. You have to be yeah, – you got to eat with these couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Like uh, You have to be able to plan around it, and also you got to be able to be willing to stay out there to do extra stuff because uh, you got to think about it. Pretty much every time we hit somebody, it's almost mm-hmm. like a little mini car accident. Yeah. So, you have to take care of your body, too, so that's the biggest part. You also got to make a little bit of time for the Minnesota Vikings podcast, so we appreciate oh, yeah. you for <laughs> that, for sure. This has been so insightful. Um, it's just really great to have you back and to for see sure. everybody. I mean, the, you, <laughs> it sure. really does. Even from our side of things, like not mm-hmm. you know the business side, I guess you could say, the, the front office side of things, you can just tell that it's just a different environment now. And it's not just because of all the changes, but just the mm-hmm. fact that it's crowded. There are other yeah, people in this people building. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, it really feels like an exciting time just to even. You just don't. You take for granted how that was before the pandemic and everything mm-hmm. that happened, for sure. For sure. Well, I know you got to play Warzone 
oh, no. pretty soon. So I'll uh, get you out of here with that because you you like surprised somebody with the jersey this offseason, was, yeah, right? Yeah, you saw that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like, I know you got to get out of here, but like, that's my last question. Like, I know you were going to play Warzone after mm-hmm. this, but what was that feeling like? I, actually, I didn't even surprise him. I was actually streaming and uh, he joined the stream and he was like, Davin, if you clutched his game up. I'll buy a jersey. And I was like, <laughs> all right, because I was playing pretty bad, too. I was like, oh, man, it's a horrible day of a war zone for me. And uh, I just end up going crazy. I just snapped on the game and just started going crazy. And then I won the game. And then he was like, I'm a man of my word. And like, next thing I know, I get a tweet. And he uh, purchased the jersey and he wow. came in. So I was like, nice. yeah, one of the real ones right there. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to sign it now? So I got to sign it. I got to get him to sh- uh, sh- ship it out here to TCO so I can sign it for him. I love that, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going awesome. to let you go get to your video games. I right, appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Dalvin. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much to Dalvin Tomlinson for carving out 15 minutes of his schedule. Hopefully we kept him, you know, within the time limit. Um, I mean, he's just so personable and has such a wide range of hobbies. You know, on the offseason, I wish I would have pursued a hobby more often. I look at his all the things he does. And I'm like, wow, I really need to become more well-rounded. Yeah. We, we both love shallow lives is what basically <laughs> he told us in that interview. And he, I mean, he's just a great guy and just, mm-hmm. just talking to him. Uh, we were talking a little bit off air. Like he's just a, a big kid. Like mm-hmm. he, he has, like you said, he has an old soul, but he's just still a kid at heart. And um, just understanding that, that, that makes a, a great teammate. And you can tell, just from him saying, you know, the first day was fun. Mm-hmm. Basically, he wants to find ways to be a better teammate to keep that vibe and to keep that energy up throughout the entire course of the season. It's that first day of school energy, right? Yeah. 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 So, I, I, And that's the thing is it, it kind of feels like these guys have repeatedly been saying this. Even the coaches have been saying this. There's just a different feel. There's this different vibe, different feel going on. And for them to feel like walking into the same building, but it's just a different, different vibe. And it, it seems like there's smiles on their face as they're saying it. That's something that's positive to hear with these guys because hopefully it helps motivate them not only to want to play better, to fix what what you know didn't work last year, but just to learn about not only the different people around them but themselves in the same point. No, I took some notes because I feel like the, we had what the April 11th was the first day that staff was able to be well to able to be back in the building all at one time. We should have had some music playing on the speakers throughout TCOPC. That like, would have been something. That, that would have been, been something. I mean, that was the vibe around here. But you want to wake up and want to go to work. I mean, not everyone yeah. has that luxury. And I feel like when you listen to these players talk, like at the end of the day, it's a game that they love, that they've played for their whole lives. And sometimes I think that can be monotonous. And you can kind of make it feel like it's, oh, I just have to do it instead of I get to do it. Yeah, you, you get into a routine. It's so easy to get into a routine because their lives are so routine. So it's just like, okay, wake up 6 a.m., I got treatment, and then so on and so forth. So the fact that they have something that, you know, forces them to think a little bit different, but at the same time forces them to find their passion for the game of football mm-hmm. and the reason why they first started in the first place. I think that's good for everybody that's involved. Great. Like the, the energy from the coaching staff also, I know this is about the players, but these coaching staff is excited to just be able to be around new people, see who, they have who's going to prove be, too. a lot to prove. Yeah. And I know, you know, their, their record or the, the past history of Kevin O'Connell shows that he's been to the promised land, but still he's, he has to reprove himself and find mm-hmm. new ways to be better because this is a new group of guys and a new group of guys that want to get to that that ultimate goal with him at the helm. So exciting times ahead, exciting times right now. And I'm looking forward to whatever Jay has to say next as he's looking at me with the side eye. It's really weird. You, you bring this up and I, I wrote this down. I've been watching the show and it doesn't really, really matter what show it was, but I've been watching a show and there was something that somebody said in the show on like a season finale type thing that really kind of struck me. And I wrote it down. And the reason why I pulled up my phone was because it fits exactly with that. 
And the, the, the one line, I just want to shake the writer's hand, whoever wrote this, but the line was one gets used to a state of affairs for such a long time. It's easy to forget. They're all just transitions. (laughs) And I was like, that is a great line Mm -hmm. just to think about all of these guys walking in here. Like you said, they're very routine oriented. They like to know what they're going to do. They kind of have the ability mentally just to kind of be like, okay, I know what my Monday is. I know what my Tuesday is. When you do have the shakeup and everyone gets nervous, they're trying to figure out, you know, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for everything? Are we starting from scratch? What's the attitude going to be? Again, this feeling of it's, you know, we get used to that state of affairs from from before and now we're in a transition. It feels like so far the impression for all these guys is that transition feels like it's a welcome thing. So hopefully for them, it does help light a new fire and kind of re-energize the entire organization to, to, you know, produce better and, and to do better and to have a purpose mm-hmm. as to why they're out there playing the way they are. And that's all you want in the end. You want this momentum from right now, this first week of reporting back to just carry on through the season and lead to wins. And that's all you can really ask for. Um, but we do have a lot more players and coaches that we want to get to know. So hopefully if you like subscribe, make sure you keep up to date with the Minnesota Vikings podcast as we start to unveil more names. We are doing more draft talk, especially stick with Vikings.com right now. We're getting ready for some more Pete Bursich film rooms. Jay, you know a bit more about that. Pete is doing his uh, traditional kind of breakdowns that are coming up here. I know that he was filming a bunch of them today for us, and those will be released here very soon. So again, keep up. I know with all the draft speculation going on with all the players that are potentially out there, Pete's taking a real focus on exactly who potentially could be there for us, both on offense and defense. And um, I think everyone who's paying attention right now knows there is a ton of stuff going out there. Are we taking a cornerback? Are we taking a wide receiver? Is it D-line pass rusher? What are we doing? Um, Keep up. Pete has got his fingers on the pulse with a lot of those players that there's a lot of rumors and speculation going on right now that in the next two weeks could potentially be the next guy in purple. And I think on top of that, even the film breakdowns that he's already done on Chandon Sullivan, Zadarius Smith, um, Harrison Phillips, those are out right now on Vikings.com. And those are really, really good also because you look at that, he does the why behind the what. And what is going on is those guys are on the team. Why they're here, Pete is showing you on film and it shows you how that can operate well can fit into this this new Minnesota Vikings scheme. So great work by Pete Bursich. A lot more content coming up. And we also have Pete Bursich on our team for the Miller Lite Vikings draft party. If you want anything and everything Vikings draft on that first night on Thursday, be sure to get your tickets at Vikings.com to experience the 2022 NFL draft on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium. Gabe, you're going to be there. That's going to be, be a lot of fun. I've, this is similar. I guess you'll be at the draft, so you won't be able to experience U.S. Bank, but I, I've never experienced a draft party in no, person either, here. So this yeah. will be a lot of fun. So. It'll be cool to see a lot of Vikings fans and just, you know, Paul Allen, the, the Bursages of the world, some of the players, Christian Darisaw, I believe, is going to be there, a few yes. other other players, Adam Thielen. So just to be able to see all those guys in person with these fans, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, it's going to be great. A lot of chances for meet and greets, all of your favorite Vikings personalities, as Gabe said. There's live KFAN coverage and appearances by Vikings legends even as well. So the doors open at six. T- tickets are still on sale. So be sure to scoop those up. In the meantime, stick with Vikings.com and the Vikings app as we start to unveil more and more draft-related content as we head into the draft, which as we record today on April 14th is only two weeks away. A snowy April 14th. Oh, don't remind me.